I have a couple possible titles for this one. I want to know what you think. Nine Inch Twins, Aphex Tray, or Nine Inch Oaths? I'm going to say Nine Inch Oaths. Nine Inch Oaths. Or Nine Inch Twins. That's... Aphex Tray doesn't really... Yeah. This wasn't... For some reason, these five names didn't, like, meld well for a stupid, witty title. What about... Apex Nails. Apex Nails? Maddie likes, she was saying, the white nails, I think. <laughs> you don't even have anything of the white stripes with those names, do you? No. Like the... How about Nine White Twins? Nine White Twins? <laughs> I do like that. Maybe I'll use that. That'll be the first time we'll ever have combined three bands into one name. Oh. It is a time for firsts. Breaking records. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to Shuffle Episode 9. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you to please make sure to listen to the five songs that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists containing those songs can be found in this episode's description. And today, for the first time ever, we are not sitting down with Dominic Manthe. The reign of Manthe is over. <laughs> we brought Manthe down. I'd like to introduce you guys to the temporary co-host... The one, the only, one of my best friends, John Miller. Hello! Ah. Hey. Hi, John. Hi, Jared. So, let's uh, tell the listeners a little bit about you. What kind of music do you like? Okay, that's a hard question, because I listen to about a lot of things. Like, probably my well-known for probably post-rock kind of... Would you say I'm more of a post-rock kind of guy? You do like post-rock And, things. like, indie rock... Yeah. I'm not I, really into, like, country or anything no. like that, but... John likes the album Leaf a lot. Yeah. John likes comedy music a lot. Comedy, yeah. Like Flight of the Concord. Flight of the Concord, Steam Powered Draft, that kind of, Yeah. They kind of dabble in the yeah, comedy, comedy realm. Of, I would say you were probably introduced to them through the comedy music world. Internet, Maybe. mostly. Internet. Yeah. But I, I would say on a whole, probably be post-rock I listen yeah. to the most. Yeah, and I'd say, yeah, like alternative indie stuff. Yeah. You like Radiohead. Radiohead's Nine awesome. Inch Nails. Yeah. 30 Seconds to Mars. Yeah. 30 Seconds to Chance. 30 Seconds to Chance Meyer, <laughs> who can't be on this because he had to go to South Carolina. <laughs> He's gone. But all the songs are about him. They are. That is one thing that you listeners might not know. In the end, every song is about Chance. Chance whether you like it or not. <laughs> All right, I'd like to take this opportunity to say that we have successfully gone nine episodes without an ICP incident. We did not have to make John listen to an ICP song. I'm really happy about that. It's, that, it's like that Russian roulette game, though. <laughs> Every time I hit shuffle, it's just one more click in the trigger. <laughs> in Insane Clown Posse News, Ooh. Insane Clown Posse News Corner, everyone's favorite segment, Insane Clown Posse recently won a court case against the state of Detroit. What was the court case about? The FBI had added juggalos to an official list of known gangs that exist in the United States. And the Insane Clown Posse petitioned to have juggalos removed from a recognized gang list. Yeah. And they won. Oh. Because basically what it would allow is if you are like affiliated with a gang that's on this list and if you're known to have outfit or garb that is affiliated with that gang yeah you can be pulled over by a cop no matter what just by looking like one of those people 
I, yeah, I can see them so, being put on a list. Yeah, but they looked into it and were taken off, and they're not considered a gang. So you cannot be pulled over for looking like a psychotic <laughs> clown with little hatchet men all over. Yeah, that's good news. So congratulations, juggalos everywhere. <laughs> In other music news, let's start with the big sad one. Lemmy from the band Motorhead passed away last night. Aww. I didn't even hear about that. Yep, he was uh, 71 years old, Oh, died of cancer, Aww. supposedly a very aggressive cancer. Everyone's amazed that he made it to 71, though. Yeah. Because if you know anything about Motorhead, pretty hard for a lot of drugs and alcohol. But he will be greatly missed. He was an iconic figure in the music community. We'll miss you, man. Sorry, Lemmy. Pour some out. Pour some out for our, our homie Lemmy. <laughs> Not, Not under the, the microphones, though. <laughs> Other music news. Radiohead just dropped a new song. Ooh. Supposedly, they were contacted by the company that made the James Bond movies, and yeah. they were supposed to write the theme song for the new Spectre movie. Oh, really? Didn't work out, but they shared it anyway. Nice. It's pretty good. I'll post it along with this episode. It's... It sounds like they tried to make a Bond song. <laughs> yeah. It's very orchestrated. Like all the other Bond songs are. Exactly. Very dramatic. I can't, for the life of me, recall a single other Bond song. Uh, like, except for the Adele one. Because that one's like parodied a lot on the yeah. internet. The uh, very last Pierce Bronson movie die another day yeah madonna wrote a song for that oh, one. Oh yeah and i like that song wasn't he like wasn't he like tortured to that song like wasn't he yes. like getting like tortured yes the like they like on? showed him like being like waterboarded and <laughs> shocked and like he's yeah. got a big crazy man beard and oh yeah that's okay. exactly okay that's that's good that's okay i, that. I did kind of like the die another day song the movie kind of mm, not a good note for pierce bronson to go out on yeah Let's see. Uh, LCD Sound System also released a new song, even though they allegedly broke up. I don't know if you've ever listened to them that Never much. Never listened to them that much. It's pretty good. It's called... Oh, crap. I can't remember now. It's like Christmas is ruining my life or something. It's huh. very sad and drab. Oh. LCD Sound System is usually pretty upbeat and disco-y. Yeah. But everyone's really excited because they're allegedly getting back together, at least playing some shows. And have you ever listened to Run the Jewels? Never even heard of them. Rap group with Killer Mike and LP. The internet loves them. They are putting out a new album and just started releasing the first little bits of their third album. Okay. So, yeah. So. I have some news. Okay. Did you, I, I think you didn't talk about this on Shuffle. Drop it down. But Neil Peart is retiring from music. Really? Rush. Yeah, the drummer. I did not know that and yeah. we have not talked about that. <laughs> I'm really upset. Because he's really good. <laughs> yeah, because... Although I think he's, like, announced he's re retiring, like, a whole bunch of times, and he keeps coming back, <laughs> so everyone's calling it, like, a... Like, is this a, a fluke or something? Sure. Have you ever seen Rush? No, never seen... Well, I've never seen him live. No. Sure. I know Nick Henry has probably, like, I'm five I'm sure times. he's seen them every yeah. time they've come within <laughs> proximity of him. <laughs> Shout out to Nick Henry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know he's an extremely technically proficient drummer. Mm-hmm. I don't really know much about him, but I was just kind of sad that, like, if he's leaving, then probably Rush is probably Rush. on the gonna be done soon. And that's kind of time. They're kind of they, they're kind of up there. They've been around for a while. Yeah. They what? They probably started making music in like the late seventies, early eighties, I think. Late sixties. Shit. Because I remember my dad used to say he used to listen to Rush while like in like his college dorms. 
Or his roommate, Lil Brush. I don't know. They've been around for a long time. Your dad must be a huge nerd. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Only nerds like Rush. <laughs> so, it's the end of the year. Now, let me think. Yes. Okay, so my top five episode has been released, so everyone knows what those five are. John, what were your top five albums of 2015? Okay. I had some difficulty thinking of the top five, because most of the albums I listened to, I either came in late, and they came out 2014. Sure. But I did manage to think of top five okay. lists. Lay them on us. Number five is The Sleep Tapes by Jeff Bridges. Okay, that's the one. Yes. I <laughs> completely forgot about that one. I... I love that album. The album is so fun. It's like so different. It's not really like music. It's like an ASMR track. It's probably the album I listen to most of this because I like I like to fall asleep to it. Like yeah, you're supposed to. It's a sleep tape. It's a sleep tape, and je and it probably has the best ending to any album ever. Is just Jeff Bridges taking a piss into a toilet. <laughs> God, I, it's such a great album. Yeah, I forgot about I, that's. Here, I will amend it came my list. Out early, so. I will amend my list with an honorable mention and add that to it. Yeah. It came out early, so that's probably why you yeah. forgot about it. And it's I not agree. really music, so. Yeah. On number four was The Desired Effect by Brandon Flowers. Lead singer of, of the, the Killers. Killers. Yeah, I'm a big Killers fan, and I liked Brandon's first album, like first solo album. He likes to do solo albums when the Killers on, is on hiatus because he just likes to work. Yeah. So that first album was kind of like a hit and miss kind of thing but the de desired effect kind of is like an 80s synth pop kind of david bowie-esque kind of weird thing that you didn't really expect out of like the killer's front man sure and he, and he has a good voice and the, and the sounds are the songs are pretty pretty well they're pretty and they're just different from what he usually does and like two songs on that that i recommend listening to is i can change and digging up the heart digging up the heart digging up the heart it sounds brutal. Yeah. Well, it's not really brutal. It's not. It's, it's, it's a really poppy kind of sure. soundtrack. And then number three, I put in probably the one that kind of hit my heart strings the most is the Vice Quadrant by Steam Powered Giraffe. I still haven't listened to that because I mean I I could just buy it. I can't <laughs> listen to it for free. Yeah. So I, I've really been meaning to listen to it. No, it's it's interesting because it's a space opera split into two parts but i consider them as one album so it's like a concept album it's no it, it kind of is a concept okay. album yeah it's a concept there's a storyline to it but it's all jumbled up and mixed up from that they kind of like, they didn't like put it in order of okay. how the story goes supposedly but it's all jumbled up it's really it's probably their best album in my opinion okay yeah because i was not that impressed with what, mk3 or mach 3 mach yeah. 3 yeah there were some good songs on and it. There's some but stink. Like like Mach 3, there's some kind of stinky songs on Vice Quadrant, but the really good ones are like really good ones. And now this is is this their first release where Rabbit is now a female? Yeah, yeah, definitely a female. Did that play any part in it at all? No, not really. <laughs> not really. Okay. Like 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 the female vocals are mostly done by Rabbit now. Like there's some like very like feminine songs in the, sure. on, in the, in the album. And then all from like Rabbit's perspective, um, but then there's also like the spines. Like well, there's like there's three members. There's Rabbit, the Spine, and Hatchworth. And Hatchworth's songs. They actually like the issue with Mach Three was that Hatchworth was just a new member of the band. Like after they kicked out the, the John, because he was being like a, a drip and not being really helpful with mm -hmm. them anymore. 
but the, the issue with Hamaku is that Catchworth wasn't really used that well, I think. Like, he was kind of very different. Like, it was like, boom, he was like, yeah, there's a different voice in the Spine and the Rabbit, who are, yeah. like, who are twin brothers. Very similar or voices. Or twin siblings now, I suppose. <laughs> I will say, I think one of the things that I didn't like about Mach 3 was, and I don't know why this would bug me, but in previous albums, I could tell the difference between Rabbit and the Spine, and on Mach 3, I had a really hard t- unless the Spine was doing his, like, his voice, voice yeah. I couldn't tell him apart yeah. and I was just I think I was like instead of listening to the song I was just focusing on like which one is this <laughs> who is this which yeah. one is this yeah yeah and you can you can tell now that who's who Hatchworth songs are really out there and really trippy like an acid trip kind of and the spine is mostly like his like usual like ballady yeah like country kind of music but uh from two songs from there actually three songs from there a firefire soliton i love firefire firefire is really good it's a i was really hoping that they would record that on an album because i know that started out as a solo song for the spine with his solo music yeah and i know that youtube performance popped up of them playing it and i looked all over and i didn't find it on an album yeah. like i want that song yeah, yeah it fits okay. the space theme well okay. it's all set in space <laughs> and then the soliton which is another good one by the spine i think the spine this is like the spine's best album as okay. a songwriter he like he wrote like those two songs and then there's starlight starshine which is another good one i will have to check them out i really been meaning to listen to that album yeah it's a good album they need more attention too. They're a good band. Like there's some stinky songs, but I think they're getting better though. They're getting as better as they go. Yeah. Number two is a Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, that song, that soundtrack is probably as good as the movie is. Like it's like I can listen to the soundtrack and I know what part's gonna be. Uh, it's by uh, Tom Holkenberg, who's also known as Junkie XL. Oh, I know Junkie XL. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. the same guy that is Junkie XL. And the, I didn't uh, know he did the soundtrack for that. Yeah, he did the soundtrack. And this, like, apparently they want to like make a black and white cut of Mad Max Fury Road I think I and just have that. the soundtrack this, as the only thing that's gonna happen. Oh, there's no dialogue. There's no dialogue. They're gonna cut out the dialogue. They're gonna cut out like the noises. Just the soundtrack. I'm like, I can dig that because I can. I can probably watch that from the soundtrack. Are they going to be subtitled? Probably not. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Legislatively, they wanted to have it out for the Blu-ray, but they couldn't have the time to do it. Yeah, well, I I thought I read somewhere that they were going to try to do like a theatrical release of it, like a a short run. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that would be cool to see in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And don't feel bad about having a soundtrack because actually another album that almost made it onto my list that I forgot to mention was the It Follows soundtrack. I've never seen that movie. It's a great, great indie horror movie, but did you ever play Fez? Yeah. So the guy who did the soundtrack for that is a guy named Disasterpiece. Okay. He did the soundtrack for It Follows. So imagine the Fez soundtrack, but horrifying. And like (laughs) just horror, like adrenaline filled and anxiety inducing. It was a great soundtrack, so I dig I, I dig film scores. I, yeah, film like yeah. film scores have gotten a lot better. I over totally the years. agree. Like and like Trent Reznor's film scores. Yeah. When was the last one he? What was the last film he did? Uh, Gone Girl. And I haven't seen that movie yet. Other another great movie. Okay, I should watch. Highly that. recommend. I should it. watch more movies. There's the <laughs> most, the best way I can describe it is the ickiest scene in a movie I've ever seen, mm. involving Neil Patrick Harris. Oh. 
I won't give anything else away. <laughs> okay. So prepare yourself. And then number one is Strangers to Ourselves by Modest Mouse. Ooh. Yeah. This album I was excited for because it was like a seven to eight year wait in between Strangers to Ourselves and We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank. Yep. Their last album release. There was like this little mini one that I don't like No one's full. first and you're next. Yeah. That, that, one, that one was good, but it was like too short and it wasn't really a full album. Yeah, they're just B-sides from yeah. the previous two albums. Yeah. But I, what I like about Strangers to Ourselves is it's kind of like a reflection of the Modest Mouse like library. Like I can kind of like pick out every song and say this kind of is like an homage to uh we were dead this is like sure like it was kind of like they were kind of like uh exploring themselves yeah because like the the first single they dropped lampshades on fire that sounded like it could have been off of we were dead before the ships yeah. even sank and there's some ones that some of them some ones that like really remind me of their really old stuff like uh like God is an Indian and you're an asshole. Yeah. Get on your horse and run. Yeah, that, that sounds like really early. Yeah, like, like lonesome, crowded west yeah. almost. Like when they're just like gr- grumpy and yeah, but, grumpy and in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was my number one album. What was your favorite song off of it? Do you know have a favorite? <sighs> I just like that album on the, the whole, whole album. Like I don't think there's any bad songs on that. What did you think about that? The gun song or whatever. Pistol? Yeah, that song is fun. I like that song. It gets really weird, and it's just, I. It was nice hearing him do something different. Like that was yeah. really different for him. Yeah, he's it, got like a weird voice like, modulation. Yeah, modulation that it's like voice is lower. And, yeah, yeah, very pistol. macho yeah, song, song too. Like yeah, cool. awesome. That's a solid album together oh that's a solid top five list <laughs> i i dig it yeah so is there anything that didn't come out this year that you've been listening to lately that you've been digging um lately i've been listening to uh this uh rapper called watsky never heard of watsky he just came on my pandora station sometime and i was like well this guy, he can rap really fast like he's a really fast rapper, but he doesn't like he doesn't bust it out all the time. He's like, but he's kind of more like a he's a white boy rapper that gets like he he gets kind of preachy sometimes too, but happens. But yeah, like uh, the album I've been listening to is Cardboard Castles. It's kind of a good little time. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Been listening to a lot of the White Stripes. Oh yeah. yeah. You got me into that when uh, you did Icky Thump Icky back Thump. in episode four, which I was. Supposed to be on the first time. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can talk about Icky Thump if you want right no, now. No, <laughs> Well, I got you some more white stripes. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I did it just for you. I've been listening to this new electronic artist that I've never heard of until recently named Life Formed. Have you heard of Life Formed? Nope. Did you ever play the indie game Dust Force or do you know of it? I haven't even heard of that. It's... It's an indie game. I, it was in one of the Humble Bundles. I, I didn't play it that much. It's, it's like a side-scroller beat-em-up where you're this janitor and you beat the <laughs> shit out of people with your with your dust broom. Huh. He composed a soundtrack for that, but the, the way that I got into him is I recently was watching the documentary about the Double Fine Adventure game, Yeah. and this guy did the whole soundtrack for it. And I was really digging it. I really liked the backing music in the soundtrack, so I looked him up and... All of his music's on Spotify, and you can buy it on his oh. band camp. It's very chill, ambient, kind of Tycho, goddamn Electric Bill-esque, oh, cool. but with little flavors of 
chiptune sprinkled in there, but it's not blatantly chiptune. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I dig it. It's really good background music, I would say. Background music's always good. Yeah. Has a place. So, yeah. I guess we can get into it unless you have anything else you want to mention. Uh, what else have I been listening to? I would listen to the playlist a bunch. But, uh, yeah. Um, These five songs. Um, I think that's... I haven't been listening to anything else recently. All right. Well, let's move into what you have been listening to then. Already. With the first song off our playlist, which is In This Twilight, Finesse, I think it's pronounced, which is a song by Nine Inch Nails remixed by this artist who goes by the name of Finesse. Yep. This is off the Year Zero remixed album, which came out in 2007, and that is... Y34RZ3R0R3M1X3D lead speak. Yep. So it is a remix album of Nine Inch Nails' other 2000 album, 2007 album, sorry, Year Zero. Nine Inch Nails are a, an industrial rock band from Cleveland, Ohio, and they are essentially a man named Trent Reznor. <laughs> Trent Reznor is and has always been the sole member of this project. In the early days of Nine Inch Nails, everything was done by Trent. He did all of the recording, all the production, all of the vocal work. It was, and he would throw a live band together for the performances. But starting with The Fragile, which came out in 1998, he began to allow for a more collaborative writing process. And by now, he has a lot of other people he relies on to help write the music. So it's not entirely him, but he is still technically the only member of the band. Nine Inch Nails is probably the most widely known band to wear the banner of being an industrial band, even though he doesn't like to be called industrial. It's more of like a industrial rock, which is like a fusion of industrial music and rock music. And in case you don't know, industrial is a form of experimental electronic music that draws on transgressive and provocative themes. Nine Inch Nails is in no way a straight-up industrial band, but they yeah. definitely draw from it. And he's admitting to, like, yeah, yeah. we come from industrial. Post-industrial. Post-industrial. <laughs> Post-meta-industrial core. Yeah. So, and the guy who remixed this song, Finez. 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 I don't know. He is a Austrian guitarist, and he's extremely active in the electronic music scene even though yeah. he's into guitaring yeah his real name is christian finesse he's known for using his guitar and computer to make multi-layered compositions that blend melody and treated samples with glitch influenced sounds and washes of white noise you can definitely tell that from the song yeah <laughs> like after i read that description i was like oh that's exactly yep. what he did to this song <laughs> yep all right a couple little interesting tidbits about nine inch nails before I go on way too long about them. <laughs> 1997. In 1997, Time Magazine listed Trent Reznor as one of the most influential people ever. You can see that. Spin Magazine described him as the most vital artist in music today. 2004, Rolling Stone placed Nine Inch Nails at 94 on their list of 100 greatest artists of all time. They have been nominated twice to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Once was last year, once again this year, and you guys can still go vote to get them in right now if you want. They've been nominated for 13 Grammys. They've won twice. They're a very successful band. A little interesting backstory. In the late 1980s, Trent was working as an assistant engineer slash janitor 
at a recording studio called Right Track Studios. Oh. And at night, when no one was using the studio, he would go record his own material That's when, cool. when no one was looking. And that eventually led to Pretty Hate Machine, their first album. Huh. The name Nine Inch Nails was decided on Trent because it was easy to abbreviate, and that's really Nin. the only reason why he did it. Nin. Nin facts. <laughs> so do I have anything else? I uh, see. I, I could keep going on and on and on about Nin. You love Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> and I have a strong feeling that this isn't going to be the first time that they're going to show up on this podcast. Oh, there's a lot of them. So I'm going to try to conserve the rest of my Nin facts. Nin facts. Nine Inch Nails is my number one played artist of all time, according to my last FM. Over 3,800 plays as of right now. Dang. Seen them live six times. I've touched Trent Reznor's hand once. <laughs> More than I have. Yes. Okay, just lost track of everything. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so Trent Reznor Blackout. Trent Reznor Blackout. Year Zero Remix, like I said, is a remix album for the album Year Zero. All of the remixes on this album are by artists other than Nin that Trent picked, except for one. The remix of My Violent Heart was a fan remix that somehow found its way in front of Trent, and he liked it so much that he asked them if it could be on this album, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So along with this album, Trent launched a website called remix.nin.com, which offered official stems of Nine Inch Nail songs for fans to remix after the album was out. Yeah. So now they got some background. What did uh, you think of this song? I prefer the original. I listened to this, then I went, I have this album all together, and it's funny, because like, at least every other like main Nine Inch Nails album... Like has like a whole bunch of listens to it. I hit Year Zero remixed, not even touched. Not even touched. And I was like, oh, this must be a sign of something. <laughs> or like, <laughs> I, I must either start it up, or and I'm like, no, and I just stop it. And then I I listened to this song, and then I listened to the original, and I just preferred the original. I don't know. I completely agree. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. So this this remix version, it's a lot more atmospheric and slower than the original. Yeah, it's slower. It's atmospheric. It's it starts off with like some soft droney noises, and then as the lyrics come, you can still kind of sort of make out like the glitch percussion that's used in the original, like the yeah sound. Yeah, very nice. But it's it's very it's blended into the back of the mix, and the guitar work makes the song have more of like a positive feeling. I didn't I think, get a positive feeling from this song. The remix? Yeah, okay. from this remix. I see, like, I say I prefer the original. I still like the remix, but I just prefer the original. Uh, what I get when I listen to the this uh, remix song, I kind of view myself in, like, this post-apocalyptic world where I'm, like, hiding under, like, a truck with this little radio, and I'm, like, just diddling with it. And then, like, once in every while, because of the, the staticky white noise, it yeah. goes, like, you get the Trent Reznor pop up. I'm, like, I'm trying to fight to keep Trent Reznor okay. in my, like, on my radio. I don't know, that's what I, that's like, I, I was listening to it in the shower, and that's what I thought of. No, I, that really goes along with the vibe of the song. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I would say it's, I, to me, it's more of a downer song, really. I don't know. I, I think the song, yeah, especially, like, the lyrics of the song are kind of, like, this really 
unfeeling acceptance of like a horrible fate. I feel yeah. like you're just sitting there watching the world end and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's kind of nihilistic. It's very well, Trent. It's called In This Twilight. Yeah. So you kind of like, you're on the, like the moment right before destruction or something or. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like in this remix, see, I really like the lyrics of this song. And I feel like the lyrics kind of take a backseat to the music in yeah. this remix, which is a shame because the lyrics are pretty great. Yeah, like I, overall, I do prefer the original. It's a decent remix. It's enjoyable, but it feels kind of flat. Like the emotion was taken out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's more like, look at all these weird glitchy sounds. Yeah. Yeah. So I I plan on posting the original so people can listen to it if they want. It's definitely this album is like four fans of Nine Inch Nails like I can't imagine a casual listener would pick it up and I'm like it. I'm definitely a casual listener. Yeah. So. And it's That's like why I probably yeah. have never touched it. It's it's definitely like for fan boys and girls. Yeah. Definitely. For Jared's. It's for Jared's. <laughs> any any other thoughts on this track? No. No. Yeah. It's a good track but it's it's kind of my jam. Yeah. Like I have nothing against it, but it just makes me like I listen to it I'm like, "Oh, this is good." I want to listen to the original now. That's what it makes me want to do. Yeah. All right. I guess with that, we can move on to our next track, Returning Empty-Handed by Underoath, off the 2006 album Define the Great Line. Underoath are a Christian post-hardcore slash metalcore band from Tampa, Florida. Allegedly, their name comes from somewhere in the Bible. They didn't get any more specific than that, other than I think we found it in the Bible. (laughs) This is their fourth studio album, second with the lead singer Spencer Chamberlain, whose vocals are featured predominantly in this track. Yeah. And this whole album was kind of a departure from the emo screamo sound of their previous effort which was called They're Only Chasing Safety. It exploded right in the hype of the early 2000 emo scene. This album is kind of going towards a heavier sound. The music is heavier and more in the metalcore realm of things. The screamed vocals are more guttural growls than emo shrieks. And the clean vocals that are sang by their drummer, Aaron Gillespie, they're not as poppy. They're a little more depressed sounding, I guess, or like the life's been beaten out of him. Yeah. And the lyrical content of this album is just a lot more darker and like from a troubled past than their previous things. Uh, Define the Great Line, interesting fact, is the highest charting Christian album of all time. Prior to that, the tie like then that's of course you know the billboard 200 the people yeah. who determine what top 40s are yeah before that it was leanne rhymes's album <laughs> you light up my life inspirational <laughs> songs <laughs> and this this surpassed it and allegedly nothing else has come Touched close it. to beating it wow while they are labeled as a christian rock band all the members of the band claim to be christian but they always say like yeah i'm christian but you know, don't pigeonhole our music, man. We don't have to be Christian, but... I did not get a Christian vibe from listening to this. No, not at all. That's And that's... I am not a fan of Christian rock music, but the reason why I've always listened to Under Oath is because I can't see it or hear it at all. Yeah, it's really... It's either well-masked or it's just not there. It's not there. I think they're like... they're. 
They're just running with the title. I think so. I, I really do. The title of the album, Define the Great Line, comes from defining that line for yourself between becoming the man or the woman that you want to be and the man or the woman that other people want you to be. Huh. Very deep. So deep. Let's see. Do I have anything else? This album has been described as finding the delicate middle ground between throat-shredding grindcore <laughs> and My Camel Chromance emo-style punk. Okay. Did you hear any MCR in there? No. <laughs> not really. Not the song I listened yeah. to. All right. So what do you think of Returning Empty-Handed? This song is not my jam. Not John's jam. Um, I've heard of Under Oath because I'm friends with you, of course. I've probably listened to a few songs. Just by just being in close vicinity to you or yes. hanging out, but I just never listen to them by myself. Like, like I never actively seek them out. Um, I have, I I can respect screaming all the time, but it just annoys me. It gets on like my nerves. I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. It's like like every once in a while, like if MC, like if if uh, Jared uh, Leto like an MCR starts. Oh, did I say call him Jared Leto? Well, Jared Leto from 30 Seconds to <laughs> Mars. Mars. No, yeah. Or Gerard Way. Gerard Way. From, Way. I'm yeah. tired today. Gerard Way, when he like goes sometimes screaming in MCR, it's like it's always finely picked and it's like yes. it's like that, that moment serves a purpose. This song is just <laughs> like, and that's what it sounds like to me. It's, it sounds like a dog barking. And yeah, I don't know. It's just not my style of music. Oh, and I can if if you're not into that kind of music, I could <laughs> It peaked. Yeah, sorry. No. We'll, we'll fix it in post. Okay. Yeah, so if, <laughs> if screaming music isn't like your cup of tea, I could see how a song like this is probably just very grating on the ears after yeah. a while. Like, yeah. it's like, take a breath already. Yeah, and when you saying that they're a Christian rock band, I didn't get anything of that. I'm just... No. Okay. There's a lot of negativity and hostility in this song. Yeah. I honestly, I have no idea what the song is about. I sat there and read the lyrics over and over and over. He sings about lying on the floor a lot. He sings about seeing flashes of light and being paranoid about people watching him. Yeah. I have no idea what the song is about. I know what the song is about. Okay, lay it on me. It's about chance. You son of a bitch. <laughs> My best guess as to what the song is about other than being about chance because i know that the lead singer of this band has struggled with drug addiction oh. i think it might be about an out-of-body experience where he's like watching himself be fucked up on drugs and being disappointed in himself yeah i th that, that is my best guess of what this is about other than chance that's probably a good guess yeah it's drugs Drugs is always a good guess. Well, Chance and Drugs, they Chance go hand in hand. Too. Shout out to Chance and his drugs. Um, but I I can't say that I personally, I think, like, you know, I, like I said before, like, Screamy gets on, like, Screamo gets on, yeah. like, like, this isn't Screamo, but, like, I can respect people that can scream that much for that long. This is a long song. This is. is, like, four four minutes long, yeah. four and a half. Um, like he was just screaming the entire time, mostly. But yeah, I, I think I'd be like coughing up blood about halfway yeah. through and passed out from not being able to breathe. You have to have like the certain kind of stuff to yeah. do that. Yeah, I will say for for a song in this genre, if you're into this kind of music, this is I think a great and shining example of 
good music to come out of that emo scene. Yeah. There were a lot of bands that popped up in there. A lot of them were shitty. <laughs> this is a... I, I enjoy this song. I have to be in the right mood for it. But it's brutal. It's catchy. It's in, intense as fuck. <laughs> and yeah. I even though I don't know what this song is about, it is like oozing with emotion. Like you can... You definitely... Um, it emotes what it is I don't know but there's emoting coming <laughs> out of it yeah and I do like how intense the ending gets like if you took away the vocals it would almost be like a post-rock crescendo I did like the ending yeah. when like, the ending came out it was like boom 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 yeah then it got really quiet right at, yep. like, right at the end I'm like okay if it was just the background no no screaming or anything like no vocals I would like the song yeah but it's got that post-rock bell curve. Yeah. Well, kind of like a... Yeah, right well, at the end there. a very so, jaggedy... It's a very long build-up. <laughs> yes. But. And I also think it's interesting, if you look up the lyrics, there aren't any choruses or verses or refrains. It's huh. just like one continuous thought, I guess. Huh. There's no... Yeah. There's no verses or choruses. But I just... I don't run into that in music that often. No, you don't. Huh. Yeah, so I guess if you're into emo screamo metalcore listen to this song and if you're not don't i won't be listening john won't be listening to it (laughs) all right and with that we can move on to our next track which is 54 and i want to say simru beat that was simru simru but i looked it up it is actually pronounced camry okay C-Y-M-R-U is actually Welsh. Okay. And it is Welsh for the word whale. So what's weird is even though the country's called Wales, and they are Welsh people, they refer to the country as Camry. Oh. And themselves as Camroos or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Like, assuming... If you know anything about Aphex Twin, he puts a lot of gibberish into his title. So I assumed it was gibberish. So, 54 Camry Beats. (laughs) Off the 2001 album, Drux. Aphex Twin, a.k.a. Richard D. James, is an Irish-born British electronic musician and composer who dabbles in electronics, music, IDM, acid techno, ambient techno, 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 (laughs) ambient music, though he prefers to classify his music as brain dance music yeah brain dance according to him is a genre that encompasses the best elements of all genres pitchfork our favorite moral compasses in the music world (laughs) described brain dance as breakbeats liberated producers from the impositions of relentless four to the floor stomping and brain dance escaped the mind body binary opposition of electronic music Here was the rhythmically hyper-complex genre that retained its club roots by appending fantastically supple limbs to the listener's frivid imagination. Kind of sounds like a bunch of bullshit if you ask me. I I didn't take anything away from that. It sounds like he's just talking big. Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of actually zoned out while you were talking. Because there's no substance there. They're not saying anything. Yeah. I, I think the reason why he would classify his own music as brain dance because he's kind of unclassifiable. He makes weird, catchy yeah. music. Yeah. 
If you're not familiar with AFX Twin, you might be familiar with one of his other 20 side projects. He also records under AFX, Polygon Window, Caustic Window, Tuss, Blue Calks, Bradley Strider, The Universal Indicator, Brian Trageskin, The. <laughs> Just The. That's a great title. Smoge Face, Gak, Karen Trageskin, Patrick Trageskin, Martin Tresinder, PBOD, Power Pill, Q Chastic, Dice Man, Soit PP. I could keep going on. I've never heard of any of those. AFX is the only other. I, I have an A, I, AFX is his like other predominant. Yeah. Anytime he does analog techno music with no synthesizer, like analog synthesizers, it's under AFX. Okay. Polygon Window and Caustic Window are also very similar one off shoots of AFX. I really haven't heard of any of these other ones. <laughs> I've never heard the before. The. <laughs> Let's look up the band The. Yes. You'll find it right away. Yeah, good luck Google searching that. <laughs> the band. <laughs> In 1997, James commented on the difference between works released under different names, saying, There's really no big theory. It's just that I feel right in doing at the... It's just things that I feel right in doing at the time, and I really don't know why. I select songs for certain things, and I just do it. I don't know what it means. Huh. Interesting fact about Aphex Twin, at the age of 11, he programmed a computer called a Sinclair ZX81, which is a computer that had no sound card or sound hardware in it, and he reprogrammed it to the point where it made a sound. Huh. Pretty cool. He said when he was 11, he won 50 pounds in a competition for writing a program that made sound on a computer that made no sound. <laughs> he claims it. I, I guess there's no proof of this. James has stated that the title of this album, Drux, is not related to drugs. It's just a word he made up. And there is a huge debate over what this song is about. And I will post an, a link to a Aphex Twin fan forum where the people are just fucking raging like at each this other. Song in about this song, what it's about. I know what it's about. Chance. Chance. You should just go in there and just drop some knowledge on them. <laughs> Some people think that the little computer voices in the song yeah. are talking about mommy bears and daddy bears. I heard gummy bears. Yeah. Everyone hears their own thing. Some people think that there's, he's saying Tony Blair, and it's like, <laughs> a, it's like a political song about Tony Blair. That could be, yeah. Some people think that all the lyrics are actually in Welsh, since the title's in Welsh, and that we're just hearing English, but it's actually all in Welsh, but they didn't bother. They're like, and I know what it means too, but I'm not going to say some people think that he hid insults about his ex-girlfriend in this song. I'm sure if you ask well, him, he would say it's all gibberish and it means nothing. It's a good song to hide something in. Yeah, because it's... If you want to talk smack about someone, you make a song like this. There's some noise in it. <laughs> Aphex Twin is one of my fourth most played artists of all time, according to my last FM. A little over 1,600 plays. And I will say he's probably one of the most influential musicians in my life because he kind of really made me... Realize that music could be anything and sound like anything. Yeah. And he really pushes those boundaries. <laughs> oh, what did you think of 54 Camry Beats? Okay, again, I've heard about Apex Trend, and I'm pretty sure I have listened to some just being in close vicinity to you, but I've never consciously looked for them, like for my own personal listening. Sure. But I thought the song was fun. It was very manic, it was fun. It was fast, and it was. I just wanted to get up and started like 
Jibby doing Jib, something. Doing something with the song. I don't know. It's just like it made me want to move. Like yeah. Like song. I I said like I heard the word gummy bears. And yeah. I wanted gummy bears. So I was like I want gummy bears. But you had to eat them fast. Yeah. Fast. Shove them in your mouth. Yeah. But no. Yeah. I I this is, I like the song. It's my jam. I can deal with it. We got two jams so far. Two jams. We're two for three. Well, yeah, two for three, round three, yeah. Two, two for three. three. Yeah, yeah I, I I, really dig this song, too. I love the weird little vocal samples, whatever they're saying. I I like how the song is, a, like, in a constant state of change. Yeah. Like, it never sound, like it never repeats itself, except there's, like, a constant driving beat, but otherwise it's just crazy and all, all over the place. place. Yeah. And I like how it kind of breaks down into just chaos near the end. Like, yeah. It almost sounds like <laughs> nothing, like... I don't know, like you lost transmission on a signal and it's just a computer freaking the fuck out. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I got from that too. Yeah, I. This is a good example of Apex Twin. I feel like if you were to sit down with someone and say like, what to expect from him, because he does. He has very different sounding songs. Like, I can make you a playlist of all of his like extremely calm and soothing piano pieces or ambient tracks. Yeah. But I feel like this is a perfect example of his wheelhouse and where he's the most comfortable. Yeah. Manic, crazy, drum and bass, glitchy noise that's somewhat catchy at the same time. I definitely want to listen to more Apex from Like I'm like they kinda of like wanna seek them out now. I I would I would definitely do it. Be careful. It's a strange and scary place. I'll be I'll be careful. I would recommend starting with the Richard D. James album. Okay. It's one of the many albums that is his creepy ass face on the <laughs> album cover. Oh, that! Oh, yeah, that face is creepy. Yes, and it's all over his album art. But Richard D. James, I think, is a very nice, short, consistent album that spans everything he offers. Okay, it's a good place to start. Don't want to go too deep in the rabbit hole. Drugs might be a little much. There's some very nice piano pieces on this album, but there's some pretty horrifyingly scary acid techno pieces on this <laughs> album too but if you're into that go for it i'm interested in them yeah but no i really dig this song yeah it's my jam too i guess i would say jam buddies any other thoughts no? all right let's move on to fell in love with a girl by the white stripes quit stripes yep Fell in Love with a Girl is off the 2001 album, White Blood Cells. And this is the second time the White Stripes have shown up on Five Huffle. Hashtag uh, Five Huffle. First being Icky Thump, which John mentioned. Mm-hmm. For those of you who aren't familiar, which I doubt there are any of you. Well, the White's- I, I was unfamiliar for a while. Well, okay, so here we go. And if, if <laughs> you somehow, well, if, if, if you were somehow listening to this episode without having listened to episode four and you've never heard of the White Stripes before, they are an alt-slash-garage-rock duo from Detroit, Michigan, consisting of Jack and Meg White. White Blood Cells is the White Stripes' third album and marked their first significant success in their career. Rolling Stone ranked this album number 497 on its 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. I know that's kind of high, but it is of all time. (laughs) Pitchfork ranked it 12 on their top 100 Greatest Albums of the 2000s. This album was recorded in four days. Just four days. 
Jack said that they wanted to try to keep it as unorganized as possible. Yeah. And I think they pulled it off. <laughs> Though, I will say, it was written over the span of four years. Okay. So I feel like they were well prepared for it. But if the sound of this song is any indication, it sounds like it's just chaos. Yeah. And very unorganized. Yeah. It's also the very first White Stripes album to consist of entirely original material. The first two albums had a lot of covers oh. and stuff like that on it so this was like their first time just being themselves and it looks like it paid off yeah the name white blood cells for the album jack said is this idea of bacteria coming at us or just foreign things coming at us like media or attention and the the album has a lot to do with their newfound fame the album art shows Jack and Meg White kind of being swarmed by these black-figured paparazzi people with cameras. A lot of the songs, not so much this one on the album, are kind of questioning how they feel about fame and notoriety and whether it's a good or bad thing. Um, let's see. The song is about a boy who falls in love with a girl who's sadly not in love with him, and even though his brain is telling him that it's ultimately hopeless to pursue her, his heart still wants to. Very relatable, I feel. Everyone can relate to yeah, that. Yeah, it's a very relatable feeling. Yeah. I feel like it's like one of the things that pretty much anyone can relate to. Yeah. Even outside of love, just pursuing something you know you shouldn't. Yeah. The dichotomy t between brain and heart. Uh, what did you think of Fell in Love with a Girl? I really liked it. It's my jam. <laughs> four or three for four. <laughs> yep. um, my actual first real contact with this song in particular was from Weird Al Yankovic. Really? This song is part of one of his polkas. Angry White Boy Polka, right? Yeah, yep. I forgot and about like, that. And like, he does like the, the chorus, or like the fell in love with the girl part, and like, like okay, that's, that's always always been in there, and I love Weird Al Yankovic. Like, that, that's like, I always found it funny that it was like my first real contact with. That is really funny. Yeah. Huh. So, did you not make that connection until you didn't listen to this song and be like, oh, this was yeah, in that Weird Al like, song? I was like, I was watching the music video. The music video was awesome. Like Great music video. Like uh, Michelle, M Michael Gondry. Michelle Gondry. Gondry yeah. Michelle Gondry. Michelle Gondry. <laughs> um, like, did it all in Legos? Was it fully stop motion or? Yeah, so, but John's. I, sorry. No, no, <laughs> go for it. it they, um, there's like a two second scene in it that was CGI'd. Okay. And you can tell there's like a scene where like it really looks like Jack and Meg White talking to each other. Yeah. And you can tell like eh, it's not Legos, but okay. everything else was stop motion. All right. Great music video. It's a great music video. It's like you said, it was really manic and whatnot. Like I can see that it's short and to the point. It's like this is what we want to tell you, and this is what like it's like only like it's, I think it's the shortest song on the whole entire five playlist. Yes. Maybe. Next well, song might be a little bit shorter little if you shorter. cut out the dial, but um, but I think it's probably the quickest song. It's very fast. It comes and goes. Yeah, like I was like, it's done. Don't <laughs> don't blink too quickly, or you might miss it. But I like the song. I like the band. I yeah, I love the song. It's it's a great. It's probably like, I would say without a doubt, their most popular song. Yeah, it's probably yeah, yeah. I've heard it. And the music the music video, like you said, it's fantastic. It's completely stop motion with Legos. My favorite director, Michel Gondry, did it. Interesting fact about the music video. So after it was made, the White Stripes contacted Lego in hopes of having small Lego set packages released with the single. Yeah. So people could build their own little Jack and make white. 
and Lego came back to them and said, we don't market our product to people over the age of 12. <laughs> yeah. But once Lego found out how insanely successful this song was, they then came back to the White Stripes and like, oh, do you still want to do that thing? And Jack's like, fuck you, Lego. Because <laughs> Jack's just that kind of guy. And yeah. That would have been cool, though, getting a little Lego set with it. Yeah. The, the music video won three MTV Music Video Awards and was nominated for Video of the Year in 2002, but it lost to Eminem's music video Without Me. Damn you, Eminem. Mama Spaghetti. <laughs> Pitchfork deemed it the best music video of the decade. Yeah. I which I can definitely see. In the 2000-2010? Yeah. Between yeah, 2000-2010. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great song. High energy, sloppy in a good way. Yeah. Manic, catchy as hell. And like I said, the lyrics, they're very relatable. Your brain telling you to do one thing, your metaphorical heart telling you to do another. And I feel like the song really matches the sentiment of the song well. It's happy and upbeat, but there's like a manic desperation to yeah. it. Yeah. I like Icky Thump better though. Yeah? The personal, on the personal level, I like, Icky Thump hit me, like, well, like, made me want to go listen, listen to, to the White Stripe. Like, like, I could hear this one on the radio and I wouldn't know who it would be. Like, sure. back in the day, like, okay, because it's so short. Like, Icky Thump has like, I don't know, I just felt more fun with it. Yeah, especially, in the early 2000s, like, the really alt garage rock sound got very popular. Yeah. And I feel like this could get lost in the noise of that. Whereas Icky Thump is such a distinct sounding song. Yeah. And, I mean, that was the last album the White Stripes ever did. So they, like, had really defined themselves up to that point. Like, this, at this point in time, they're still kind of, like, trying to figure out who they were. Yeah. They were very much more established. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd, like... Icky thump over this, but I still like this song a lot. Yeah. This song is a good song. As John would say. It's my jam. It's my jam. And it's about chance. Yeah. Fucking chance. <laughs> Alright. With that, see fucking chance is a good transition. Yeah. You can relate it to anything. Yeah. With that, we'll move on to our final song of the playlist. <laughs> I'm so ronery by Trey Parker off the Team America World Police original soundtrack, <laughs> which both the soundtrack and movie came out in 2004. In case any of you don't know, Trey Parker is an actor, animator, screenwriter, director, producer, singer, and songwriter, best known for co-creating the television show South Park with his BFF and creative partner Matt Stone. Team America World Police is a satire of big-budget action films and their associated cliches and stereotypes with particular humorous emphasis on the global implications of the politics in the United States, all through the use of marionette puppets. I, I would say like uh, that old show... Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds is heavily inspired by Thunderbirds, too. Yeah, I think if I read somewhere that they like were watching that show and they're like, this show sucks. Let's do something like this. Yeah. So that's pretty much their idea. It's a great movie. I love the movie. It's one of my favorites. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> I think it's sadly underrated. I would I wouldn't say like people don't go to it as quick as they should. Yeah. Like because they kind of called a bunch of like things way early on, like like with like dealing with North Korea and Kim Jong Il, who was still kind of like back in two thousand four, at least to me, who was like fourteen and like still pissing the bed, but like. I wasn't pissed. 
Just a disclaimer, John did not wet the bed at the age of 14. No, like how, but like how, like he's there and he's a threat, but like he wasn't in like the media. Yeah, he wasn't as sensationalized yet. Yeah, no, they, Matt and Trey have always been good at like, knowing what's on the up and up, knowing what's in the up and up, saying this is going to be a problem, but just, and then making fun of it. (laughs) Yeah. Relentlessly. (laughs) So these marionettes they used in the film. They're some of the most expensive marionettes. Well, they're really good marionettes, though. Ever made, and they just destroyed them and beat the shit out of them in this movie. <laughs> the film was painstakingly made realistic, and it led to various shots being redone throughout the process due to Parker and Stone's obsession with detail and craftsmanship. For example, one of the little Uzis held by one of the Taliban members in that movie yeah. cost a thousand dollars to make, cool. and to construct Kim Jong Il's. Eyeglasses, they were made with hand-ground prescription-grade glass lenses. They they really put their time into it. Yeah. And like they hired three huge teams of professional marionette operators. Each puppet had probably four people controlling it. And even through that, it was nearly impossible to do anything with them. They said that, for example, like. A simple shot of making the character take a drink of water probably took a half day to successfully capture. Yeah. And there was no CGI in this. All of the stunts were done in real time with real life Puppets. explosives. And if you've seen this movie and you just think that they actually shot all that stuff, you'll start to understand what they went through with this. Yeah. The film had to be resubmitted to the Motion Picture Association of America at least nine times before they would downgrade it from an NC-17 rating to an R mostly because of the infamous marionette sex scene, yeah. which involved defecating and urinating on each other. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the uncut yeah. version. So this song, it goes along <laughs> with this... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're thinking of the marionette of, puppet yeah. scene. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's pretty bad. So this song goes along with a scene in the movie where Kim Jong-il is walking around his palace and singing about how lonely and misunderstood he is. I believe that Trey is the one who wrote the lyrics and performed this song, but the, the background music was composed by a man named Harry Gregson Williams. Okay. He did a lot of the orchestration for that movie. And yeah, so what did you think of I'm So Ronery? Sadly, it made me feel kind of bad for Kim Jong Il. Makes you brings you down to his level. Yeah, like you can. That song is like at like a pivotal point in the movie too. Well, kind of. Like, kind of like set like when that song happens, you know more about like why Kim Jong Il's being like a crazy douche, guy, huge douchebag. But like, it also kind of still paints him in like this horrible light. Like he's singing it to the like while as he walks by this skeleton in this shark tank. And like these guys being tortured yeah, in the like, background. And then one of my favorite shots is that he's just lying on his bed. Like, they, they, apparently, they must have made a bed with this, like the, the puppet on it, and they must have, because there was no strings attached. To no, that but his mouth was moving. Yeah, so they must have had like a hand in there and like opening it. But like, I was appreciating the craft. Like I was just watching the music, like the, the, the video part. I didn't listen to the audio. Yeah. Because this the the this the care they took to the, get his little jowls and his like chubby his, cheeks his eyeglasses like it was making his eyes bigger and like like and the, 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 I was like that made a lot of they made a lot of care with that puppet they did but like I, as a song it's funny it, it made me laugh the first time I saw it 
<laughs> yeah, I I would say the I mean the the best part of the song is like the blatantly racist delivery of the lyrics. <laughs> so ronery, so sad we alone. It, it's definitely a song where I feel like it needs its visual counterpart yeah. to like be truly enjoyable. Like the the visual of Kim sadly wandering around his <laughs> castle with tortured prisoners and just guards standing in yeah. the background. Yeah. It, it's hilarious, and I would expect nothing less from Trey Parker. And it really like trying to listen to the song on its own made me like really realize that Trey's a good singer and. The song, like the background music, is very well composed, but I don't think I would ever like earnestly sit down and just listen to the song for the yeah. enjoyment of listening to it. Yeah. It's a little too novel and campy. It's a good song, but you know it needs to be in the context of the film. I would say, apart from the the sex scene, the Kim Jong Il song is probably the second most well like like the most memorable thing about that movie about the movie yeah I, in my opinion i agree like, oh, i mean other than the america fuck yeah yeah, song. yeah america fuck yeah <laughs> yeah that's okay then it's three it's yeah it's it's the sex scene america fuck yeah kim jong kim jong song, song. Yeah. yeah i think the only two songs i have off the soundtrack in my library are america fuck yeah and this song i didn't i mean that <laughs> everyone has aid songs funny but it's yeah. just not near the level of, of those two well Everyone has AIDS. I don't even remember that song. AIDS, 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 AIDS. It's, it's at the very beginning of the movie. The the main guy and the actor in the movie. Yeah. He's always oh, on a play. Yeah, and yeah, they're, okay. they're making fun of Rent, yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, probably Rent. And they just... <laughs> Mom and your dad have AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. <laughs> and then he goes out into the alleyway, and there's the famous scene of him just puking for like two minutes straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pukes a lot in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh I would say this song is my jam as long as the video's there. Like I could listen I I could listen to it again. There's like uh watch it. I'm I can't think of the word. You have to be under certain circumstances for it to be your jam. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be accompanied by the You need the video. You need the visual with the song. Yes. I will I will post the video so you guys can see it while listening to it if you haven't. Alright, so of the five, what do you think's your jammiest of jam? <sighs> Gotta go with Fell in Love with the Girl. That Fell song is this fun. Close second would be Apex Twin. Yeah. Yeah. I think I feel bad not picking Apex Twin, but I think I'm gonna have to go with the Under Oath song. Just for the fact that like I haven't. I don't think I've listened to them since like early college, maybe late high school. Yeah. And like it really brought me back, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I forgot. I like these guys a lot. So at least for like the mood I was in, when I was listening to. I was really digging the Underworld song, but I feel like standard, normal, general Jared would go with the Aphex Twin yeah. song. We're pretty. We're pretty different. Because I rank that we're, one bottom. We're different, you and I. Yeah. <laughs> I my jam is your only not jam. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that, hey, that's this is all about different people's taste in music. Yeah. No judgment here. All right, so I can now tell you what the next five tracks are for next week. Already. First song we have "Moments Pass" by Hot Water Music. Second. All is Full of Love by Bjork. Third is a song called Pond Life by Sympath. Fourth, I'm sorry, John, is Interstate 8 by Modest Mouse. 
John, John had to walk away to scream. Hey, we can man. talk about Interstate 8 right now no. if you want. No. Fourth is, or the sorry, the final song is Bloody Romance by Census Fail. No one's seen Clown Posse. Dodge the bullet. One more episode. We will have you back on for a Modest Mel-centric episode. Nice. How about that? Okay. We can each come and talk about our five favorite Modest Mel's tracks. Nice. Yeah, we should do that sometime. I'll do it. All right, and um, anything you want to plug? Uh, if you like listening to me and Jared talking about uh, video games, you can find us both on the Game Cave podcast. Mostly me. Jared's on off and on. He won't be on next week, I think. I won't. Um, but uh, we talk about video games uh, lately. If you don't like video games, we also made a uh, Star Wars, Star Wars episode. episode. If you like Star Wars but hate video games, you can listen to that. It's like 20 minutes long. Um, but yeah, we're on a podcast called the Game Cave Podcast. Find it on Facebook, Twitter, every social media, really. Yeah, I'm... In all of the show notes for this, if you go through them, I link to the Facebook, SoundCloud, and Twitter page for it. So check it out. It's awesome. You can actually listen to this Chance guy that we've been talking about so much. Yeah. He's coming back soon. Yeah. It's from. (laughs) Just use Robot Chance instead. You should. All right. Well. Thank you for being on it. I hope fun. to it was do fun. this again soon. I've never done a podcast face-to-face with another person. It's a first for our time for everything. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to do this again soon. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And I hope you have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye.